Hey, it's Greg Stanley. If you're listening to this podcast, you know I love everything automotive. This passion has expanded to include being a car specialist consultant for RM Sotheby's. So if you need assistance buying or consigning a collector car at any one of our online or live auctions, including Scottsdale, Amelia Island, or Monterey, you can reach one of our car specialists at rmsotheby's.com or you can email me directly at gstanley at rmsotheby's.com. I just want to give a quick thanks to Euro Classics for sponsoring this episode. Your Classics is all about collector cars, from servicing your new BMW M5 to prepping your Porsche for the racetrack to executing a total restoration on your favorite classic. They do it all from routine maintenance to performance upgrades to appraisals and everything in between. You can learn more about its owner, Dale Oaks, by listening to episode number 65 of this podcast. And you can find Euro Classics in the Kentucky, Ohio, Indiana service area and online at euroclassics.com. Classics, C-L-A-S-S-I-X dot com. This is the Collector Car Podcast, the home for the auto enthusiast. Join Greg Stanley as he applies over 25 years of insights and analytical experience to the collector car market. He will interview the experts and throw in some fun stuff as well. So this episode, I'm covering the rarest muscle cars ever built, which is quite a feat in and of itself. This initially was a really hard list to compile. I had trouble deciding on what the criteria should be. For example, should I include factory race cars, one-off special editions, only available to people with the right connections, street legal prototypes? So in the end, I included any car that you can buy today, if you can find it and if you can afford it, and drive it legally on the street. I kept it to the 1960s muscle car boom, pretty much 1963 to 1971. So this list includes Cobra Dragon Snakes, Copo Camaros, and special editions that were given to influential people in high places. I did not include cars that are considered one-of-one because of their list of options. I did include one-of-one cars based on body styles. For example, we have quite a few rare convertibles in this list. Now, I do have some honorable mentions. These are basically cars they made in a production run of around 100 down to 21 And then the big list is if they made 20 or fewer. If you've listened to this podcast for a while, you know that I kind of grew up on Mustangs. And so there are quite a few Mustang special editions. So if you're a Mopar person and I don't call out the right car, be sure to let me know on Instagram at the Collector Car Podcast. Now the honorable mentions, we'll start with the Ford, the Ford GT40s. Now they made 87 of these along with 12 prototypes, which brings us up to 99 cars produced Of those, now I could be wrong on this, there were 31 streetcars. So I don't know if that 31 was in addition to the 99 or the 31 was inclusive on the 99. Now, seven of those streetcars were used as dealer promotional cars. These are high-dollar cars. I bet the cheapest one you can get right now is around $4 million. And if you've got one of the Le Mans winning golf cars or any of the Le Mans winning cars, uh, probably $30 to $40 million. Now, the next one is the 1969 Chevrolet Camaro Copo ZL1. 69 of those were produced. This has the L88 engine, but it's an aluminum block, and only 69 of these were made. The approximate value of this car, 70 to one po- I'm sorry, 700 to $1.1 million. Next is the 1963 Chevrolet Impala Z11. They only made about 60 of these cars. And let's see, this came with the 429 engine, but it was hopped up with dual carbs and a lot of extra things to crank out more horsepower. Some of these cars recorded the quarter-mile blast in under 12 seconds, which was amazing. Much of the sheet metal was aluminum, so it's lighter, which is really cool. 
I'm guessing that these would be around three hundred to four hundred thousand dollars based on recent sales. The next one's the 1966 Ford Fairlane 500R code, specifically 1966. They only made 57 of these, and this one had dual quad carburetors as well, and packed around 425 horsepower. Uh, this one is worth about 150 to 200 thousand dollars, quite a bargain. The next one is one I was not previously familiar with before constructing this episode: the 1967 Plymouth. R023 GTX. Pretty rare because it has a 426 Hemi in it. Uh, only 55 of these were produced and they came pretty much stripped. No hubcaps, no radio, no heater, no body, body insulation or carpet. So considered kind of like one of the lightweights. It would go 0 to 60 in under 5 seconds. Now the sister car to this could be considered the 1967 Dodge 440 Superstock. Again, a Hemi car only made 55 of these as well. Those go for much less, between eighty dollars and $100,000. Now, then, this next one is one of my favorites, 1968 Ford Mustang lightweight drag car. This is the uh, ones that had the VIN that was in the 135, so they're also known as the 135 cars. There was only 50 of them made. They were all white, basically with the 428 Cobra Jet engine upon introduction, and they were built for racing. So it's kind of cool, all four-speed cars. You'll see these pop up every once in a while. They really haven't appreciated much recently, and they're valued about ninety thousand dollars to one hundred and thirty-five. All right, the next is a 1965 Shelby GT 350 R model. They made thirty-six of these. Uh, the GT 500, I'm sorry, the GT 350 S model, the street model. They made, I think it was five hundred and thirty-six. So the R model is much rarer. Uh, the value on these is between seven hundred and one point two million dollars. I will give a little asterisk on this one because. The very first one, the, the prototype one, the most famous one called the Flying Mustang, uh, just sold at a Mecham auction. I think it was 3.7, about $4 million. So no R models have sold since then. So the 700 to 1.2 million might go up based on the result from that crazy record setting car. The next one's a 1963 Dodge 330 factory lightweight. 34 of these were produced. Again, stripped down aluminum body panels, 426 engine, four speed. Made for racing, the approximate value on these is eighty to one hundred thirty thousand dollars. And I do know that there should be one coming up soon for RM Sotheby's Open Roads Fall Online Only Sale. So if you want one of these, this one only has I think five hundred miles on it, and it's in immaculate condition. Be sure to check it out. The next one's the nineteen sixty six AC Cobra four twenty seven SC, which is stands for Semi Competition. They made twenty nine of these. So you have the two eighty nine Cobras, which are great. You have the four twenty seven and four twenty eight Street. Cobras, which are awesome. And now this is the competition one. The SC package was an even crazier, more track-ready ready version of the legendary Shelby Cobra. So these are much rarer and pretty much were made for racing right out of the box. These go for $1.8 to $2.5 million. Another Shelby-related car is the 1967 Mustang two, Group 2 sedan. So you'll hear me talk about the Group 2 sedans for 1966 here in a little bit. But they continued making them in 1967, making 26 of them. And these were basically made to race as well, but in a different series than the Shelby Mustangs were raced in. The next one's one of my dream cars, a 1968 Ford Mustang 428 convertible. The 428 Cobra Jet, as I mentioned before, went into the 50 fastbacks. Well, it was also made available for coupes, fastbacks, and convertibles. And only about 24 convertibles were made. I've only actually seen one in person. And they would be worth somewhere around $125,000 to $150,000. Now, just speaking about the 428 big block Mustang convertibles, 
There were also approximately 14 to 24 made for 1969, 1970, and 1971. Uh, so they're all pretty rare when it comes to that combination. The next one is probably considered one of the halo cars in the muscle car world. It's the 1970 to 1971 Plymouth Hemi Cuda convertible. Between those two years, only 21 of them were produced. And it's kind of funny because these are my runner-ups, and this is probably one of the most iconic car. Uh, they just made 21 of them. It's not a single production car. So these cars had the 426 as well. Some of them were automatic. They've sold for as much as $3.5 million. Uh, they've really fallen off the cliff recently when it comes to values for some reason. So the approximate value of these is $1.5 to $2.25 million for one of these awesome big block Mopars. Now it's time for the super duper rare ones. This is where there were 20 produced, 20 or less produced for the production year. So the first one's the 1967 Corvette L88 with 20 of them produced in 1967, the rarest year. These had the big block 427 engine. You hear a lot of 427, 426, and 428 during this podcast. Uh, so this was the rarest of the rare, approximate value 2.5 to 3.5 million dollars. If you were to look at the even rarer package option, the L89, they only made 16 of those in 67, and they're worth about $1 million. Apparently, those are a little easier to counterfeit than the true L88s. And then in 1969, uh, there were 116 L88s produced, so it did not make it onto this list officially because it was over 100. The next car is the 1970 Chevelle 454 SS LS6, and I believe they're referencing the convertible as they said that only 20 were produced. So they're very rare. Again, big block. This is a 454 LS. Uh, let's see. They, I think they said it had excess of 500 horsepower, but I think for insurance reasons, it only classified it around 350 horsepower. Approximate value is 150 to $275,000. The next one is a 1971 Pontiac GTO Judge Convertible. 17 of these were made. And... Pontiac produced less than 200 units from 1969 to 1970, and only 17 were produced for the 1971 model year. So again, a big block engine, that's the magic formula here, a 455 cubic inch engine with 335 horsepower. Approximate value is $175,000 to $350,000. The next one's a 1969 and 1970 Plymouth Roadrunner convertible. Between these two years, 16 were produced. With again the 426 Hemi engine, approximate value 125 to 175 thousand dollars. Sounds like quite the bargain, honestly. And the next one is the one I mentioned earlier, the 1966 Ford Mustang Trans Am A sedan. They only made 16 of these, and this is an interesting story. So Carroll Shelby in 1965 took the fastback Mustang and made it into the GT350 R models, which I mentioned earlier, and they won the manufacturing championship, but it came under Shelby America and Ford said wait a second you know these are our cars you souped them up and you're getting credit for the championship so we want credit for a championship Ford could not use the fastbacks again because they were already racing so they had to use the coupes to get into this other class of racing so they made 16 of them and I think 11 are known to exist I think I know where one is so if you hear me screaming with joy soon you'll know that I found one of those missing ones or one of the 11 now these approximate values, $250,000 to $400,000. This was prior to the Ford versus Ferrari movie. Uh, the last one sold for, I think, $400,000 at a Mecham auction a few years ago. Legendary Motorcars has one for sale right now, and they're asking $650,000. It's one of the more famous ones that won a lot in period. Uh, 
Now, the next one is a 1963 to 1965 Cheetah GT. So this was Chevrolet's answer to the AC Cobra. Not nearly as successful by any stretch. Really cool-looking cars. You can go back, I think, to one of my first 10 podcasts to hear how I found one of these cars. Uh, the value on these is $250,000 to $400,000. What's interesting is the one I found turned out to be the most original, unrestored version, and it sold for $711,000 at a single-car auction. So you might be wondering, well, why is my estimate so far off? Well, apparently two guys really had to have that car and bitted it up into the stratosphere. And then when it sold again, I guess the owner had passed away. It, it went to Mecham to sell again, and I posted some pictures of this car on Instagram. It was a no sale at like $250,000. So there's your bottom line right there is $250,000. This is the best one in the world. It was a no sale at $250,000. Now, it's my understanding it did sell privately, and it's in Colin Colmer's collection out of Milwaukee, and if I had to guess, probably paid in the low 300s for that car. Hence, my range from 250 to $400,000. All right, the next one's another Corvette, the 1971 Corvette ZR2. A lot of folks have heard the ZR1, but most folks don't know of the ZR2 because they don't make a current version of it. Well, this was produced in 1971, and it's actually more powerful, rarer, and more potent than the ZR1. They made 10 coupes and two convertibles. I did post a picture of one from Bloomington Gold Nationals a couple weeks ago. Uh, that was an all-original one that I found in the basement there at the uh, Lucas Oil Stadium. The pre-sale estimate for one at a Mecham auction was three hundred fifty to four hundred fifty thousand dollars, and it was a no sale at three hundred eighty thousand dollars. So the approximate value I have on this car is three fifty to four fifty. Now, why are these special? This one has the four fifty four LS six that we mentioned earlier that was in the Chevelle put into the ZR two. It was rated at four hundred twenty-five horsepower. It included all of the high-performance options such as Muncie M22 transmission, twin-disc clutch, heavy-duty brakes, a lot of fun, cool stuff. The next car is a 1970 Baldwin Motion Corvette. If you're not familiar with Baldwin Motions, it was a dealership that took Corvettes and souped them up, made them cool. Uh, and very particular taste, I would say, to like these cars, a little bit different. They only made six of these, and the approximate value is $800,000. All right, we continue on into the single digits here. The next one's a 1965 Shelby Cobra Daytona Coupe. They made six of these. So the original project had six Shelby Daytona Coupes built for racing purposes between 1964 and 1965. And the approximate value of these is $25 to $30 million. Isn't that just insane? Now the next car is the 1963 Corvette Grand Sport. Only five of these were produced. So back in 1962... Chevrolet launched the Grand Sport program, which sought to create a lightweight C2 Corvette that could take the fight to the Shelby Cobra and GT-Class racing. Providing the motivation was a 6.2-liter V8 producing 485 horsepower, and the plan was to create 125 examples. But as soon as GM found out about it, they canceled it. Five units were made, and we're lucky enough to have one of them here in Cincinnati. Now, the approximate value on these is 6 to $8 million. That's a far cry from the Daytona Coupes, 25 to 30 million dollars now the next one is another shelby a 1963 to 1965 cobra dragon snake four of these were produced basically it was the 289 cobra that shelby decided you know what let's make some adjustments to it so it can be drag raced so extremely rare cars only four of them were made rare doesn't mean they're worth a ton more i've heard from some shelby experts that they're not as much fun to drive uh, for the reasons that they were made for drag strip racing. If someone's looking for a dragon snake, they're looking for 
a very specific car. So I pegged these between one and $1.5 million. The next one's another Shelby, a 1966 Shelby GT350 convertible. Only four of these were produced. This is one of my dream cars. It's the best of everything. It's the classic Mustang looks, but it's the Shelby performance, and I love convertibles. Like I said, there were four of them made. Uh, let's see, in paperwork that was dated June 7th, 1966, a statement reads, four experimental convertibles are being run through the shop at present time. One of these units is sold, and the other three will be used for tef- test purposes in anticipation of a 1967.5 GT350 convertible, which never came to fruition. Now, the approximate value on this is $800 to $1.2 million. It's pretty cool. There's a red one that sold for around $800,000 a couple years ago. The green, most original one, just sold a couple months ago at Mika, Minneapolis for, I think it was $1.2 million. Uh, I saw the yellow one in the early 90s in the Pensacola area, and the blue one is currently being restored by Charlie Hutton Paintworks. You can Google it on the Facebook and check out Charlie Hudson's Facebook page, and the blue one is just being restored right now. Actually, it looks like it's pretty much done. So really, really cool cars. The next one is a 1969 Hearst Olds convertible. So there were a lot of Hearst Olds made in 1969, uh, but they only made three convertibles. Now, these all had the 455 big block, and they were built for promotional purposes. One represented Hearst at the 1969 Daytona 500, which was destroyed in 1969 under unknown circumstances one was created for east coast appearances and one for west coast appearances these are worth approximately 300 to 400 grand they might be worth more i couldn't find any comps because they're so rare i just did a multiple of the not of the coupe version of these cars the next one's a corvette 1969 chevy corvette zl1 now some people say there were two made others say there were three made basically this is the l88 big block 427 which is super rare to begin with, but it's an all-aluminum 427 in place of the cast iron twin. So this is one of the rarest available. What's amazing is the engine alone was about a $4,700 option, which matched the price of the Corvette. So you doubled your price with an engine option. That's pretty insane. These are worth approximately $2 million. Now the next one's a Dodge Coronet 1967 RT 426 Hemi. Two or three of these were produced. Uh, This is probably the bargain of the decade. Uh, Let's see. One was a four-speed. One was an automatic. It had the 426 max wedge option. And approximate value is only 140 to 150. So, you know, compare a Mopar Hemi convertible at $2 million for the Cuda to the Cornet RT for $140,000 to $150,000. The next one is a 1974 Torino King Cobra. Again, two or, two or three of these were produced. A little bit of mixed data on these. So in response to the Dodge Charger Daytona and Plymouth Superbird, Ford developed a 1974 Torino King Cobra. It had a sloped front end with dual headlamps located in cutouts on the front fenders. Intake air came in under the bumper. Parking lamps were located between the headlamps. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, then NASCAR increased the minimum number of cars required to be produced for public sale from 500 to 3,000. And the project was abandoned. Only three prototype cars were produced. One each with the Boss 429, one with the 429 Super Cobra Jet, and one with the 429 Cobra Jet. I put the price $400,000 to $600,000. You could probably say the Cobra Jet's $400,000, the Super Cobra Jet's $500,000, the Boss 429 is $600,000. Not the most attractive looking cars. That slope doesn't do a lot uh, for the look of the cars. 
The next one is a 1969 Mercury Boss 429. Again, with the big Boss 429 engine. The Boss 429 was king in 1969 and 1970. Two Mercury Cougars had the Boss 429 engine shoehorned in it via carcraft. And they were used strictly for drag racing. They sold them to famous drag racers. I think Don Garlitz was one of them for a dollar a piece. And they would tour, basically tearing up the drag strips. Now, one is known. I think it's the yellow one that is known and has shown up at shows. The orange one is unknown until I stumbled across it in a restoration shop. And it's back there now. I saw it about three months ago. Uh, The restoration has stalled because I guess whoever owns it needs to get some more funds together to complete the restoration. So super rare car. You should see the orange one popping up sometime in the next year or two. All right. The next one's a 1967 and 1970 Dodge Cornette RT426 convertible. Two were produced in 1967. Two were produced in 1970. Do you see a theme here? We've got the 426 big block in a convertible form in rare production, and it equals big dollars. So approximate value is $400,000 to $1 million. Uh, I think the million-dollar cars would be the 1970 model. And one was recently restored on the TV show Graveyard Cars. So I'll have to check that out. All right, the next one's a Cobra 1965, I believe. It's the AC Cobra Slalom Snake. Only two of them were produced. This was based on the 289. It was designed with autocross events in mind with notable upgrades, including Coney Strut's front and rear anti-roll bars and Goodyear Blue Streak Sports Car Special Tires. There are only two examples produced, as I said. Both cars were finished in white exterior paint with red racing stripes down the middle and red leather interiors. Each of the two owners opted for some bespoke features, such as a hood scoop, side exhaust, and a painted roll bar, which would have been amongst the only distinguishing features between the two. Now, I don't think these are worth much more than a typical 289 AC Cobra, which have been soft a little bit recently. So if I put a 289 AC Cobra at, I don't know, 750 to 950, I'll put this one at 1.1 million to $1.3 million. The next one's another Cobra, 1967 AC Cobra Super Snake, two produced. Now, this one is really famous because basically it was a... SC model, and Shelby decided, let me turn up the volume even higher. The biggest modification was the addition of a pair of Paxson superchargers, which increased the power of the 7-liter V8 engine to a whopping 800 horsepower. Carroll Shelby built just two of these cars, as I mentioned, one for him and one for comedian Bill Cosby, his close friend. Crosby found the car too difficult to keep under control, and experience he recounted on his stand-up comedy bit, 200 miles per hour, and he returned the car to Shelby. Let's see, the Super Snake was shipped to a dealer in San Francisco, which sold it to a customer. Legend has it that he lost control of the car and drove it off a cliff into the Pacific Ocean. Shelby drove his Super Snake for many years. In 2007, the only remaining Super Snake was auctioned off for $5 million, a record for a vehicle made in the U.S. at the time. So one of them's missing, if you have scuba gear, go and check it out. And then the other one sold for $5 million in 2000, so 13 years ago. So I put the value of this car, 8 to $12 million, based on its rarity. We had Carol Shelby's personal 289 Cobra, the very first Cobra, sell for $13 million. I don't think it would hit that plateau, but I don't think it would be that far off. So 8 to $12 million. All right, we're in the, the last of the last. These, all of these cars, they only made one of them. The first one's a 1971 Ford Mustang Boss 302. 
So there were Boss Mustangs in 1969, there were Boss Mustangs in 1970, but apparently there was only one of them made in 1971. And it was found kind of an interesting way. It was probably a prototype. They actually made it, but then they rebranded it as a Boss 351, which is a really awesome car. I'm going to peg this value between two dollars and $350,000. A little tough. I mean, the 71s are not nearly as iconic and gorgeous as the 69s and 70s. That's the biggest hit on this car. The Boss 351 was the best performing Boss of all three. And so I think the looks hold it back. The small engine, it's more of a it's more of a curiosity than anything else. The next one's a 1966 AC Cobra Dragon Snake. So I mentioned the four 289 Dragon Snakes that were built. Well, apparently, Carroll Shelby decided to build one 427 Dragon Snake. So I would put this between 1.75 mil and 2.5 million. And the next one's a 1967, again, Shelby Mustang GT500 convertible. This was a prototype convertible. It was made to do promotional ads for the 1968 Shelby GT500 convertible. So it ran around for a while as a 68, but it was really a 67, and it's out there now. It got the body put back on it as a 67. Uh, I would put this 350 to 450. I think the fact that it originally started as a 68 prototype and now it's a 67 convertible hurts the value somewhat, but it's still a cool car. All right, I think we're on the last one here. The last one is, again, a Shelby. I apologize to all the Mopar fans. A 1967 Shelby Mustang GT500 Super Snake. So this is the iconic, really cool 1967 big block. Ford basically took the 427 out of the race-winning GT40s and shoehorned it into this GT500 for Goodyear to help the company promote a new line of tires. It was also fitted with an upgraded transmission and rear end, and it was capable of reaching 170 miles per hour. And originally, Shelby planned to build 50 of these, but the project was shelved when Ford found out that it would cost twice as much as a normal GT500. That's a very common theme on a lot of these cars. Now, this car actually sold, there's only one of them, sold in 2019 for $2.2 million. I think it's actually worth more than that. I would put it at 3 to $4 million now. A lot of that because of the Ford versus Ferrari move and the increased value seen in the other Shelby, Mustangs, Cobras, and GT40s. So what did I get right? What did I get wrong? Or what did I just plain miss? So I know, like I said before, there are some Mopar guys and gals chomping at the bit to let me know. Well, please do. Shoot me a note on Instagram at the Collector Car Podcast. You'll see the image of this podcast up on right now. So just respond back and let me know what I miss. As always, thanks again for joining me. Talk to you all next week. Thanks for listening to the Collector Car Podcast. Don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes and be sure to follow us on Instagram and everywhere else at the Collector Car Podcast.